Hello and welcome to the Life Tools podcast. In school, we learned history and algebra, foreign languages and chemistry, but nobody taught us tools for life. How do we deal with self-doubt? What are beliefs and how do they influence us? How do we find ourselves when we feel lost? And how do we make a healthy decision? Many people learn these things much later in life, after three, four, even five decades of existence, and often the hard way. For a few, like myself, I had to learn them very early. I created this podcast to share with you the tools that have helped me greatly in my own life. They're small actions anybody can take that bring big results over time. Let's get to it. In this episode, the tool I want to talk about is quiet time. I'd expected this to be two minutes long, but then I I started writing about the nitty gritty and then I realized I was going to have to divide this into two episodes. One about the what and the second about the why. And before we get to it, I just want to explain that a lot of the tools I'm going to be introducing in this podcast aren't new information. There's stuff I learned from other people, I experimented with them, and now I'm giving them back to you in what I hope is a more down-to-earth, more doable version. Because you know how so many people say, just love yourself or just believe in yourself? (laughs) Except right now there's 500 miles between how you feel and this airy-fairy concept called self-love. How do you actually do it? What does it look like in daily life? What if issues A, B, and C come up? Do you ignore them? Do you stop and take care of them? And if you do take care of them, how? There are no instructions for these. This is the gap I hope to be bridging. I want listeners to have access to the tools that I talk about and be able to implement them in their lives. So back to quiet time. In this episode, we're going to talk about the what. So what exactly is quiet time? It's time you spend with yourself away from stimuli, away from input from other people, away from social media, away from the news, away from ads. Think of it this way. In our daily lives, we are always consuming information. When we scroll through Instagram or Facebook and we're looking at all these images of other people's lives, that's consumption. When we listen to anything, that's consumption too. When we are out shopping looking at products, that's consumption, whether we actually buy anything or not. When we read books or watch movies, that's consumption. Quiet time is when we put a pause to this consumption and turn the dial of our attention from the outside world back to us, to our internal world. And since we are all different, the sort of quiet time that's ideal for each of us can also differ. To be able to create your own ideal quiet time, you will have to experiment with what feels best to you. What we're looking for is a sense of calm, a relaxation of our senses, a chunk of time within which we're not rushing to go anywhere or to do anything. It's just us, our thoughts, our sensations. Do you prefer to be outdoors or indoors? How much light do you need to be able to relax? Do you like soft music playing in the background or do you prefer the sound of rustling leaves and the chirping of birds? How long is enough quiet time for you? What sort of things do you like surrounding yourself with? Do you like sipping tea, reading a book? These are elements of quiet time that you'll have to experiment with. For myself, I have found that because I'm extremely introverted and highly sensitive, I need a much longer stretch of time alone than the average person. I also need dim light and only very soft music, if any. If I choose to play a podcast, the host's voice should be soothing and the message uplifting. Loud conversations or exuberant voices overstimulate me. 
I also found that because I'm a morning person, I do best having my quiet time first thing in the morning when I'm mentally alert. I have tried quiet time in the evening, but it never worked because I would just doze off. I wouldn't have the energy to pay attention to my thoughts. This is something to take into consideration. I only need a few things to be in complete bliss during my quiet time. My iPad, which I use for reading and journaling, my morning cup of latte, my phone for playing soft music or podcasts. Your quiet time might not involve any of these things. It might look like a walk in the forest, which I also really love, or dancing alone in a dance studio, or sitting at a cafe, or just simply taking a stroll around your neighborhood. You'll notice that some of these, like sitting at a cafe and taking a stroll, are not necessarily very quiet activities because you're still surrounded by people and some level of noise. Quiet time does not necessarily mean complete absence of stimuli because even when you're alone in your room, when you're reading or playing music, that's still stimuli. The difference is, it's not stimuli that's screaming, hey, look at me, pay attention to me. Instead, this is stimuli that helps you direct your attention inward. Soft music tends to do that. A cozy ambience does that too. Spiritual self-help books do that for me. Or memoirs about people who've gone through the same things I've gone through. These are things that put me in a reflective mood, encouraging me to pay attention to what's going on inside me instead of what's going on in the outside world. There are three things that I consider to be intrinsic to quiet time. They are what make quiet time, well, quiet time, meaning time alone that's actually nourishing. One, which we have already talked about, is inward attention. Number two is mindfulness. What this means is that whatever you're doing, you're doing mindfully. You are choosing what to pay attention to. You are noticing the thoughts and sensations that come and go, as opposed to being a passive receptacle of an endless stream of stimuli coming from all directions. Mindfulness also implies slowing down, because if you're consciously choosing to pay attention to something, there's only so much you can take in at one time. Mindfulness is like sharpening your camera focus on a thing and blurring out everything else in the background. It's like focus, except you're using much more than just your brain. Another aspect of mindfulness is being the observer of yourself. When you feel anxiety, instead of completely drowning in it, you observe your anxiety. You take a step back and look at yourself with curiosity. You ask yourself questions like, I wonder where this is coming from? What message does it want to convey to me? The third element of quiet time is optional in the beginning, but always happens eventually. This element is expression. This comes in different forms. For myself, it tends to be writing, whether that's real writing, quote unquote, or just journaling, which I do regularly. It can also be cooking. For you, it could be some type of body movement or sewing, building stuff, anything you're drawn to. Basically, it's creation, but it's creation that comes from a desire in us to create and not because someone else wants us to do it or because there's a person to impress. Some days your quiet time may look like just listening to yourself, meditating, doing yoga, walking. Other days it could look like you hunched over various materials giving birth to something. I know that for myself there are times when there's just something inside me that needs to be journaled out and unless I do that first, I can't actually feel any quiet inside. Still, on other days, your quiet time will look like both, tuning in and creation. So 
that's the what of quiet time in a nutshell. Well, actually, that wasn't very short. Can I say in a big nutshell? Anyway, in next week's episode, we're going to talk about the why of quiet time, how it has helped me in my personal life, and how it can help you too. Till next time, bye. <laughs>